And he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. They were very sorrowful and began to say to him, one after another, is it I, Lord? He answered, he who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And He took a cup. When He had given thanks, He gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Man, the word of the Lord this morning. Several years ago, I was listening to a local radio station in Kansas City and a contest came up on that station which the reward was a $75, I believe it was, gift certificate to a very fancy elite steakhouse there in Kansas City, downtown, all the fancy elite part of town, whatever. I won the certificate. I don't remember if it's trivia or just, you know, caller nine or caller seven, whatever. I guess 9, it was on 9.80 a.m. I won the certificate. So I called to check on the restaurant, the prices, the reservations, and so on and so forth. And it came to find out that our certificate was not even sufficient to cover one of our meals. Even though, like I said, it was $75. This was, again, a place where the elites, the wealthy in town, when I remember hearing them, that's what piqued my interest, was that the coach of the Kansas City Chiefs was spotted there with the general manager. It was before the draft, I think it was, and Herm Edwards was the coach at the time, and he was spotted there with all the other Leaders of the Kansas City Chiefs football team, they were eating dinner there, discussing, no doubt, their plans for the upcoming draft. And like I said, it come to find out that even with our $75 off, that it wouldn't even cover one of our meals. So we listed it on eBay and sold it to a guy in Indianapolis who called the restaurant there, and they said, yes, we'll honor the gift certificate. So he got it. We probably went to Applebee's or McDonald's or something like that. <laughs> Spent a lot less money. I probably could afford a restaurant like that now. I'm not going to because, again, I do have a car payment and a mortgage payment. And kids to send to school and whatever else. <laughs> I say that, obviously, to say there are places in this world that you and I just can't afford. 
Then there are places in this world to we where you and I are, are not invited. You're not welcome. You are not allowed to attend. For whatever reason, we don't belong to the right group or we're not the right whatever. We are not to be a part of this feast, this meal. But here we have in this text this morning a another feast that took place. The feast that probably was not near as fancy as the restaurant that we decided not to go to. And yet, a feast that was so much more glorious, so much more awesome. A feast in which Cost is not an obligation because the highest price has already been paid for you and I to attend. A feast that was initiated filled with fear and wonder. A little bit of tension, no doubt, undoubtedly a lot of tension, I should probably say. Feast held, no doubt, in a simple uh, manner, a simple fashion. Filled with fear, filled with wonder, filled with questioning. You feel the tension in the air, but yet today that feast is filled with worship, remembrance, reflection, repentance. One day a feast that will be filled with the finest of food, the choicest of wine. The most beautiful of all feasts that you and I can even imagine. And most of all, we'll have the presence of the Creator of the universe Himself there with us. The question this morning is this, have you, are you, will you be ready to participate in that feast in that day? Will you come and by coming this morning to partake of this feast, will you Make plans, make reservations, make sure your guarantee that you will be there on that last and greatest day when we are in the presence of God forever. This Last Supper is not just about the here and now. Rather, this Last Supper is something that invites us to look and consider another place, another time, we celebrate today in remembrance of what will come, on, or what happened, I should say, during that time and what will come in this future celebration. And so we begin, first of all, with this first point, which is the Last Supper. This is the text that we read. We're now at the arrival of the fateful night. Jesus has come to this moment and for which He was born, the reason that He came into the world to accomplish. It is the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It is something that is set forth reminiscent of Exodus 12, verse 18, which says these words, in the first month from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. Here we are on this day. All the laven that was in the house, all the yeast that is there in the household of Israel 
would be cleaned out, would be swept out. The house would be swept top to bottom so that there is no remembrance, no point of any yeast there within the house. And after the sun would set, the household would gather and they would eat the Passover lamb, which is roasted together with bitter herbs. This meal would be presided over by the head of the house. And and Jesus here in this text is presiding over this gathering with His disciples. They asked the question there in verse 17 on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? Verse 18, He tells us, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. Who was this man? We don't know. His name is never given. Either that or the disciples did not want to disclose His name because possible ramifications might happen. Luke tells us that he was carrying a pitcher of water which was unusual for the men of that day to do. It was a job reserved for the women. And so this person would have been distinguishable to the disciples. They went and they found Him and they began to prepare this place and the evening came and Jesus and the rest of the twelve gather to share in the most sacred of meals in Jewish religious tradition. Now as they are eating, a stunning statement is made by Jesus there. Verse 21. As they are eating, He said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray Me. Something you'd you'd never expected to hear. I mean, He just spent the last three plus years with these guys. Day and night together, everything they did was together. You would think that there would be a bond of of relationship and friendship that was there, and yet Jesus says, one of you will be betrayed me. Verse 22, the reaction of the disciples was one of shock and sorrow. They were very sorrowful and they began to say to Him, one after another, is it I, Lord? Is it me? Am I the one that is going to betray you. Gives the answer there again in verse 23. He who has dipped his hand in the dish, he is the one with me who will betray me. Now in case you're wondering, it's probably likely that this action has already occurred. All right, if I say the next person that's going to stand up here in the church, you need to pay everybody $100, my guess is you all would sit there for a long, long time, right? <laughs> we wouldn't want to get up. I don't want to be the one. Sorry. I love you all. I don't have $5,000 plus to be given out this morning if it's okay. <laughs> now, if it's 50 cents, maybe I'll get up, but. And so you can, you can imagine, I mean, it's not like these guys are all sitting around because they're all looking at the dish and they're saying, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? You know, the next guy to pick up the ketchup bottle, well, I'll just eat my french fries without ketchup tonight if you don't mind. It's likely this action has already occurred. Judas has already dipped his hand at the same time with Jesus. 
probably a moment in which those two connected. You know, you've been there where, you, where something happens at the same time and you make that weird and awkward connection with somebody else because you're doing the same action at the same time. No doubt Judas and Jesus' eyes connected. An awkward laugh or a sorry or pardon me, but it stuck out in their mind. They would have been sharing a common bowl, dipping in the bitter herbs, the bread, and everything else that they were eating. And the statement is made in such a way as to be cryptic. The disciples did not know about Judas's betrayal that had already happened. They didn't know that he had already arranged to betray Jesus. Judas, of course, though, knows that it's him. And so, private exchange, he says, is it I, Rabbi? Somewhere in a way in which no one else knew about it. He caught the Lord and he said, is it I? And Jesus said to him, you have said so. In fact, John, John gives us a, a different picture of this interaction in John 13. Verse 27 says, after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. No one at the table knew why they said this to him. And verse 29 says, some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out. It was night. So even after Jesus makes this statement, the disciples had no idea that Judas was the one who would betray. They thought he was on some kind of errand, some kind of trip or whatever. So this exchange happens with Judas. He departs from the room and look. Look at what happens next. Verse 26, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, He broke it. Gave it to the disciples and He said, Take, eat, this is My body. And he took a cup and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them saying, Drink of it. All of you. For this is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. For the forgiveness of sins, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink anew with you in my Father's kingdom. This Passover meal is also the first meal within this festival of unleavened bread. It is the first occasion on which unleavened bread is actually eaten. Sharing in an unleavened loaf of bread comes after the dipping of lettuce or green herbs in a sauce with which the words of betrayal are associated in verse 23. And yet, for the first time in the history of Israel, a new words are instituted and implemented. This is something that had happened millions of times for the thousands of years between Moses and Christ. Every year at this time, the Passover was taking place as much as they were able to, as much as they were allowed to. Maybe it did not happen a time or two when they were in exile, but every Jew wanted to celebrate this Passover feast and yet for the first time, 
Something new is introduced. Jesus utters the words that this bread is now His body. This bread is now broken. Not just in the way that we would normally break a loaf of bread, but broken as a representation broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, Isaiah's words. I've read to you already, He was pierced. Pierced for our transgressions, He was crushed. For our iniquities upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with His wounds. We are healed. Body destroyed literally torn apart by the cat of nine tails, whips full of glass, full of broken pieces, full of sharp objects that can cut deep within the back of the man. The body broken, as the psalmist said, so that every bone is out of joint. Body broken to the point that he was physically unable to move on His own. The simple act of unleavened bread. The body becomes this representation of who Christ is. same manner, He took the cup. He took the cup that represented the blood, the covenant that is instituted between the disciples and the Lord Jesus Christ. cup was the fruit of the vine, the wine of blessing. The wine that was given, the third of four cups on that night, now being seen in a different light of blessing, now being seen as the blood of the Lord Jesus spilled out, poured out for all who would receive. The wine is more than just fermented grape juice, more than just a simple drink that was there at every meal. Is now a representation of the drops of blood poured out on behalf of all who would receive Christ. The Apostle Paul receives revelation that the Gospel writers didn't record. He writes down these words in 1 Corinthians 11.25 where Jesus says in the same way also He took the cup after supper and He said this cup is the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me. Thus it begins. An ordinance, an institution, tradition, a sacrament of the church that has been, it is being observed all around the world for the last 2,000 plus years. Wherever people had gathered in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they have heard the Word proclaimed, have worshipped in song and in prayer, in spirit and in truth. Whether it be in a church much like the one we are in today, with stained glass and pews and altar rails and pulpits, whether it has been in the living room of someone who has gathered with friends, whether it has been in a, in a cave 
or some other undisclosed location. The people of God had gathered together. They have taken the bread. They have drunk the wine. They have remembered this glorious occasion. And that is why we as a church celebrate on a regular basis, at least on a monthly basis, this feast, this supper time, this festival together. We are doing it not just because we need something to do, but by doing it, we are showing and proclaiming the death of our Lord and Savior. So this brings me to my second point in which it is that I want to focus on today, and that is the meaning. The meaning of the Lord's Supper for us today. What does it all mean? What is it all about? Why is it that we on a monthly basis and other churches even on a weekly basis gather together to celebrate, to remember the supper that night? Why is it? What is the purpose of Jesus acting in such a manner? And what does it mean for you and I here today? 2,000 years removed, several thousand years, miles removed from Jerusalem. What is the purpose? What does it mean for us today? First of all, it keeps the death of Christ forefront. It keeps the death of Christ forefront in our hearts and minds. It reminds us It is a place of remembrance. Paul said again, do this in remembrance of me. We need to remember what Christ has done for us. The fortunate thing about us as people is we are so forgetful. We so easily forget what has been done, what has been accomplished. We so easily forget what has happened in our lives and the things that go on. And that's why we need to come to the table. We come to remember, to call to memory the death of Christ. Again, this does not start with Jesus. It started way back in Exodus. Exodus 12, 14, Moses instituted the Passover and the Lord stated these words. He says, this day shall be for you a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Memorial Day, a time of remembrance. An opportunity to see and to think and to remember about where you were before Christ found you, what life you were in before Christ reached down and saved you and brought you out of your miry clay. 1 Corinthians 11.26 For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death. You are saying, you are stating to us, we are stating to the Lord, we remember what you have done in our lives. I ask you this question honestly. What do you say? Why should you go to heaven? Why? Should you be allowed into God's eternal kingdom? If we are not careful, 
well, I'm an American. Of course I deserve to go. That's the wrong answer. I gave an offering in the check. Of course I deserve to go. I gave a check in the offering. Let me back that up. I sang on the worship team. I taught Sunday school. I'm a board member. I'm an elder. I mowed the grass yesterday for crying out loud. Friend, the only reason you deserve to go to heaven is because Jesus Christ has forgiven you of your sin and His blood has been applied to your life. And you, by the grace of God, have been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. There is no other way or reason for you. Oh, how easy we forget. How easy it is to forget. Dottie Rambo sang a song years ago that said, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Just remember, I'm a human and humans forget, so remind me. Remind me, dear Lord. Second verse said, Nothing good have I done to deserve God's own son. I'm not worthy of the scars in His hands, yet He chose the road to Calvary to die in my stead. Why He loved me, I can't understand. So roll back the curtains. Memory now and then. Show me where You brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm a human and sometimes I forget. Remind me. Remind me, dear Lord, you remember where your life was headed before Christ saved you. Do you remember the life that you were living before Christ reached down His hand for you? Today is a day to look back, to remember, to reflect. Say thank you for dying in my place. Second reason we celebrate is not just to remind us, but secondly, it also reminds us of our position in Christ and His body. Reminds us of our position, who we are, who I am. I am a child of God. I am His. When we partake, we are reminded again of who we are in Christ Jesus. We are not our own. We are bought with a price. We have now become one with Christ through His death and resurrection. Listen to what Jesus says. John chapter 6, He said to them, verse 53, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that our fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Eating of the bread, drinking of the vine reminds us 
I am a child of God. I believe with all my heart the words that Paul says in Romans 8 that nothing, life, nor death, nor principalities, nor powers, things present, things to come, nothing can separate us from the love of God. I believe that with all of my heart, but yet I confess to you. Times it's hard, isn't it? Times it's difficult. Times I wonder, does God love me? Has Christ really forgiven me? Times I am tempted to despair and to walk and to think, God, where are you in my life? That's why I come to the table. Come and I am reminded, I am my beloved's. My beloved is mine. I know you won't believe this, I was not a perfect kid growing up. Like I said, I know you won't believe it. I've made mistakes. I did things. I got whooped pretty good a few times by mom and dad. Not as much as my brother, so there you go. That's, yeah. <laughs> but you know, in all the 20... 21 years that I lived in their home. Never once did it ever get to a place where at dinner time there was not a table set for me. And I was not told you are not welcome here. Never once. Yes, there's a few times where dinner was peanut butter sandwiches and leftovers and I was told to fend for myself. But I was always welcome despite my faults and my failures. And I know even today, here I am in my 40s, a thousand plus miles away from them, and yet if I was to say I'm coming, they would say there is a place for you. We will have a place ready for you. You see, what I am saying to you this morning is this. There is a table set for us here. In this, there, in this table, there is a seat with your name on it. There's a place for you to come. And you say, you don't understand. I've sinned. I've failed. I've messed up. I've betrayed the Lord. The Lord says, come to the table. Come and receive. Come, you are welcome here at my house. You are welcome here at my table. You are welcome again. I know what you have done, but my blood has covered you of your sin. You may be here and you may feel unworthy today. But the Lord is telling you, here is a place for you. There is a place for you. You can come and dine and eat my body and drink of my blood. I like this song called Before the Throne of God. Above, it says, For the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. Great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me.
My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know and while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. I like this verse that says, "And Satan tempts me to despair, tells me of the guilt within. Upward I look and I see him there. I see him there. Him who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. Behold Him there. Risen Lamb. Perfect, spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am. The King of glory and of grace. One, with Himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by His blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. I am His. Yeah, I know last night wasn't a good night. I messed up, I screamed, I yelled, I cursed. This morning He says to me, come. Yes, last week wasn't a good week. I murdered, I stole cheated he says to me come come forgiveness is waiting for you the table reminds us of who we are in Christ Jesus finally the table reassures us reassures us of our future feast at the married supper of the Lamb it reminds us it reassures us the invitation is still there. The RSV has been made. There is coming a great and glorious feast. I like that commercial that's on television. I don't remember if it's for Amazon Alexa or whatever it is, some device that's going to control your whole life and you'll be a slave to it. But that device goes off on the ladies' watch. There's a reminder we have dinner with the so and so's. Ah, she forgot, so she rushes out of work, uses her Alexa to order food and to get everything ready, and prepares a beautiful, fancy feast. Husband comes down the stairs the same time the doorbell rings and her husband says, Honey, you know we're not having the couple over. We're actually babysitting our kids. Same time they open the door and there's their kids and they say thanks and they rush off. This feast is not like that, by the way. It is so much more glorious. So much more wonderful. Aren't you glad that this isn't it to life? This mess, this garbage, this political infighting and bickering, this death and despair and destruction that we see in this world, there is coming a great and a glorious feast waiting for us. Jesus says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day I drink it with you new in my Father's kingdom. Yes, you're not going to have it now, but I will again feast with you. 
Revelation 19, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. If you know Christ, if you're in him, your ticket is punched and you will be there on that glorious day. Isaiah 25, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food. A feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, and he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of His people He will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. This morning... Lord, I come and I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting in a small way with a piece of bread and a little vessel of grape juice, but I'm waiting for that day. I'm waiting for that day when you come. We celebrate forever the presence of God. You and I are invited to this feast. We are asked to come. Today we just tell the Lord, I'm still still waiting. I haven't forgotten. Still in my heart, ready for you. So we're going to come this morning. We're going to come to the table. Before we do, I want to speak to two of you that are here today. Two of you that are listening to me. Two participants of this Last Supper. They're all looking like the disciples thinking, is it I, is it I? I don't know. Is it you? Let me speak to you first of all, Judas. Judas. You weren't known to be a betrayer. Nobody knew. You had everybody fooled. Everyone looked at you. I mean, in fact, you were the treasurer. I mean, if there's one person you got to trust, it's the treasurer, right? And they got all the money. You're well dressed. You have on your coat and your tie, brought your Bible. Sang on the worship team. You sang alto. You sang baritone. Played the guitar, you turning the buttons up and down on the sound booth. You look great, and yet you are depending on these things, and you're not being found in Christ Jesus, trusting Him alone for forgiveness. 
You have not asked Him to come into your heart and forgive you. You have not given your life to Him. And you have us fooled. But I can tell you this morning, He is not fooled by you. He knows you. He sees you. And today, He is imploring you, come to Him and make things right. Come to Him and find forgiveness. There was a seed for Judas at the table. There was a place for him, but Judas chose not to participate. There's a place for you in the Father's arms at the Father's table. And He's inviting you this morning, come to Him. Will you do that today? Will you do that today? Finally, I want to speak to you, Peter. Peter. Jesus states in verse 31, says, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be gathered. Look at verse 33. Peter says, hey, no way. Not me. <laughs> I will never, ever fall away. Jesus looks at him and says, this night will not pass before you deny me. We'll talk about this again here in a few weeks as we get into his story, but many of us here are Peter. Last Sunday we were here, we sang, we lifted our hands, we cried, we prayed, we heard the Word of God. I said, Lord, I am so sorry. And we commit ourselves last Sunday. We were going to live for Him. Last Sunday night. Maybe it was even last Sunday night. You hadn't even, you hadn't even washed your clothes from church. And the car was still hot from driving home from church. And you find yourself walking and falling and denying the Lord. You find yourself trapped in a sin that you didn't want to be involved in. Maybe it was Monday, Tuesday, all the way into last night early this morning. You're here and you feel the weight and you feel the guilt. You feel the shame of what you have done. But can I tell you, the Lord is telling you this morning, come to the table. Come receive forgiveness. Come find forgiveness. Come, there is mercy for you today. The song we're going to sing, I think, in a few weeks when we talk about Peter, but just come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness is poured out through the blood of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of the Lord is extended to you today. You don't have to deny your seat. That's what I'm saying. I said, I've always been welcome home. I'm 
thankful for that relationship. Perhaps you're here. You didn't have that relationship or maybe a child of yours. You don't have that relationship with them. What you do with your Heavenly Father is saying to you, come. Come with your sin. Come with your failures. Come with your faults. Receive forgiveness. Receive mercy. Don't don't be proud and arrogant like Judas. Try to cover it all up. No, come and give it to Him. His arms are spread out for you today. So will I ever take my wife to a $300 a plate restaurant. I mean, I will, but you'll have to buy the gift certificate. It'll have to cover everything. <laughs> I guarantee you, though, if we do, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to wake up the next morning. I'm going to ask her, do you want eggs and bacon for breakfast? Do you want cereal? Now, she don't eat, so she'll say, no, I'm good, or whatever. But, but I'll be hungry again, because usually I eat, and I'm like hungry 15 minutes later. But I know this. I know this. When I come to the table of the Lord, my soul is satisfied. It doesn't cost me a thing. Because Christ already paid the price. So we're going to have our ushers get ready this morning. Worship team, if you want to come. We're going to celebrate communion. We're going to remember the death, the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. We together are going to do more than just eat a cracker and a grape juice. We are going to remember what Christ has done for us. We are going to find forgiveness and healing and cleansing and mercy upon our lives. Today, do that. Today, look back to where you were before you became a Christian. Remember that Christ is the one that has set you free. Today, bring your sin, your shame to the altar. Let Him forgive it. And partake. Partake together. Today, bring your physically sick body, your weary spirit, tired from all the mess and weight of this world. And remember, there's a better banquet coming. There's a feast that is coming which we will cherish forever. And let's pray together this morning. Shall we, Father? We come to the table of mercy. We come to the throne of God. We ask for grace. We ask for forgiveness. We come. We remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
we remember the sacrifice and the price that you paid. Lord, we receive forgiveness and mercy today. We receive the grace of our God in our hearts and our lives. We know that through your blood, through your broken body, we are healed, we are forgiven. We know on that day, we will see you face to face. Lord, this morning we say we are still on our way. We're reminding you that we are still waiting, longing for that day. Do that in our hearts and our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. And gentlemen, why don't you come? Go ahead, worship team, and sing this morning.